Well, we've been getting over it for a couple of weeks, right? And, um, you know, you can't get on with it till you get over it. You can't move on till you get over it. You can't uh, move to the future that God has for you until you get over what has happened in the past. And we haven't been saying that that's an easy thing. I haven't tried to been making light of some of the issues that happened. I've just said we've got to do what we have to do to get over it. It's holding you back. It's not allowing you to become the woman that God wants you to be and the wife that God wants you to be and the husband that God wants you to be and the father that God wants you to be. And that's my heart in all of this. It's not just to say, well, it's no big deal. Get over it. And that's not it. We've got to start the process of getting over it. And sometimes I'm not just saying it's like one trip to an altar. And I'm not just saying it's one trip to the pastor's counseling room. For, for much of you, it's, it's a process. I, I had a couple uh, in my office this week who have just have got an issue in their life. It's, it's been going on for a while. They're not going to get over that quickly. And they're going to have to work through that. And that's just not going to be something that you can just leave at the altar and everything's hunky-dory now. No, there's going to be there's trust issues that have got to be rebuilt. And, and, but they've got to start the process. And uh, they have to get over it. And so we've been talking about some of those. And today's get over it issue is as old as biblical times itself. Because all through recorded history of man, we've had man and we've had woman that have had the fear of man. Now, the fear of man is not the fear that somebody's going to break your jaw with their fist. It's the fear of their approval. It's a fear of their acceptance. Uh, We have a problem in our society, and it's just um, uh, human beings. It's It's not us as Nazarenes or us that live in Ohio. It's just human beings. We're people pleasers. We, we seek approval of other people. And there's nothing wrong with seeking approval of other people if it does not conflict with uh, God's approval. But many times, uh, though we know we need approval from the vertical, sometimes the approval from the horizontal uh, outweighs the approval from the vertical and we compromise our behavior just so we can get approval from the horizontal and that compromises our relationship with God. You've heard me quote a lot of times. You'll hear me quote it today several times. You'll hear me quote it in other messages. One of the greatest, when I was a pastor of a church plant, there was only about a hundred of us and I was the pastor and the worship leader and the youth pastor and all that. I passed out to our teens, don't be a 1243. And that was from John twelve forty three. Uh, they said they cared more for the praise of men than they did the praise of God. And that's what we're talking about. People that are people pleasers. People that have an approval addiction. They don't want to admit it. But at the base of that is caring more for your horizontal relationships than you do for your vertical relationships. Now this is old as biblical times in itself. The first king of Israel, King King Saul, we talked about him a few weeks ago. The first king of Israel, God eventually rejected him as king. And why did he reject him as king? 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul said to Samuel, "Uh, I have sinned. Samuel knew that. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of men. Again, that's not afraid of their fist. That's afraid of men's opinion and wanting to do something that pleased men. The first king of Israel lost his throne and was rejected by God because he was a people pleaser. Because he had this kind of approval seeking in him, in and of himself. 
Even the very fact that they, that they had a king in Israel. God didn't want them to have a king, if you remember the story. Israel, the, uh, the nation of Israel said, we want a king. God said, you're not going to have a king. King's going to mess you up. You just need to stick with me. We need a theocracy here. We don't need a uh, democracy. We need a theocracy. And, and they, kept, they kept insisting they wanted a king. And you know why the Bible says they wanted a king? It says because they wanted to be like the other nations. That's exactly what it says. They wanted to be like the other nations. Well, they have a king and they have a king. I guess we're just a second-class nation. We don't have a king. They wanted to seek the approval of the other nations. So the very fact that they had a king was a people-pleasing problem, was an approval issue. Solomon was the third king of Israel. The Bible says he's the wisest man who ever lived. Now, I don't know how that jives with the fact that he had 700 wives because those two things are in contradiction to me, okay? Well, that's what the Bible said, okay? He had 700 wives. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11 that, speaking of Solomon, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. Verse 4 says, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his dad, David, was. So these, 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 these wives, he's seeking the approval of the wives and seeking the approval of God was evidently two things. And when those things come in conflict, there has to be a choice that was made. And the Bible says he was not fully devoted because he had all these other wives and they turned his, his heart. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is, is talking about people that try to you with their spiritual you ever, you ever met anybody that tries to impress you with their spirituality tells you how spiritual they are i'm fearful of those people they're super duper saints by the way they're super duper they are just ask them they'll tell you they're super duper they'll tell you how good their devotions are they'll tell you how much they read the bible they'll tell you how much they they teach sunday school they'll just tell you how committed they are our small group meets every sunday not every other sunday <laughs> They're super-duper saints. And Jesus was talking about some of those super-duper things in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you fast, don't put on a show about it. Don't stick it on Facebook that you're going on a 40-day fast. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Don't stick it on Facebook that you're going on a 30-day fast. Okay? Don't, don't, don't uh, look all somber. So I'm, I haven't eaten for 40 days. I'm just really loving the Lord. So... And the only reason they do that is to show others they are fasting, is what the Bible says. To show others how spiritual they are. Oh, start listening to people. They'll, be, they'll try, and somehow, because they want your approval, they're trying to be able to tell you how spiritual they are. I don't know, the, the closer I walk with Jesus, the farther I need to go, I think. I mean, I, I'm, I become more aware of my distance. As I've gotten more mature in the faith, it's not that, well, I'm getting pretty holy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, I see more clearly the, the chasm between me and God and, and the more grace that I need. These people are seeking a reward because the, the Bible said right there in Matthew chapter 6, these people will have their reward. And what's their reward? People pat them on the back. Oh, I wish I was as spiritual as you. It's a reward. 
But, but the whole purpose of the verse is that, that you should do it in secret and let God reward you in secret. And when it gets right down to it, who do you want to reward you, God or man? I mean, that's really pretty silly, to be quite honest with you. But some people are so addicted to having people approve them. We pastors are the worst. We're the absolute worst. We get into ministry, and we're all fired up, and we, we take a church, and for the first two or three months, it's on a honeymoon, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and something happens, and not pleasing her, not pleasing him, and all of a sudden, I'm not worried about pleasing God anymore. I'm worried about keeping everybody happy, and I've taken a big step down. Pastors are horrible at it, are horrible at it. I've had pastors talk to me about, you know, how can you, how can you say those things that you say on Facebook, you know? Boy, I'd have people mad at me if I said stuff like that on Facebook. How can, you say, how can you preach a message on Black Lives Matter? Don't you think people get mad at you when you preach those messages? You know why I can preach those messages? Because I am totally secure in your acceptance of me. Yeah, I, I know I'm not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. Okay? But you accept me, and because I'm confident of your acceptance of me, it allows me to take some liberty in the pulpit. Now, there's, there's, a, trans, there's a translation to that in our walk with God. When when I can walk with God and my walk with God is secure and I know he's accepted of me, it doesn't get me that bent out of shape when other people don't accept me. It's a security issue. It's it's an issue with where you get your acceptance from. We see it all all the way through the, the Bible. Do you realize that Jesus... I, you, know, you probably know this, but Jesus was not found guilty of any crime. Did, you know that, don't you? He, he, when he, when they, they took him to trial and he went through the government and, and went through an actual trial, uh, the, the one who judged him says, I find no guilt in this man. They said, go judge him according to your law, telling the Pharisees, go, if this is a religious matter, don't bother me with it. Go deal with however you deal with your religious matter. I find that this man's done nothing wrong. This man's broken no laws. There's a couple of passages that speak to that. Pilate was, was one of the government leaders that was judging him. Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. I found no basis for your charges against him. The, the passage continues in Mark, the same story, just Mark telling it a little bit differently. What shall I do then with the one who was called the Jews, Pilate said in front of the crowd. Pilate was, we imagine Pilate on some kind of a landing in the crowd up here. He says, what should I do with the one who was called the king of the Jews? And, and the crowd shouted, crucify him. And, and Pilate replies, why? He's innocent. But they shouted, crucify him all the, all the more. Verse 15. Wanting to satisfy the crowd. He's a politician. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making a joke out of that. He was a politician. Wanting to satisfy the people. He did something he knew was wrong to satisfy the people. That's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about the, the, the natural desire that you have to please your spouse. That's a natural desire. Keep that, keep that desire. I'm not talking about the, the, hopefully the natural desire that your children have to be able to please you. 
Uh, that, that's a good thing. There should, there should be a desire to please, please your boss and to do a good job. He writes your paycheck for you. I mean, I, I, I'll get all that. But when those things come into conflict, when you know what is right, but you desire to please the crowd, now we have an issue. Now we have an issue. And while it's tough to admit, I was in my 40s before I got over pleasing people. I was in my 40s before I had enough whatever, confidence in God, backbone, courage, just didn't give a rip anymore. I don't know what it was that I didn't let people call the shots for me. One of the big issues that I had when I went back into the ministry after being out of the ministry for three and a half years, and well, not out of the ministry, out of the pastorate for three and a half years, and, and I had to get it straight with God that, God, if I'm going back into the pastorate, you've got to let me be me. Or maybe I should, I should have said, God, you've got to give me the grace or give me the courage to let me be me. I know I'm not all other pastors. I know I'm not like all the Nazarenes. I don't tote the Nazarene line. I don't tote the little pastor line. I don't walk that line. But that's who I am. And you've got to give me freedom to be who I am because I'll be miserable if I'm not. Because pastors want to please people. I've known pastors who didn't make too many hospital visits, but when a big giver went, they did. I had to get over that. I had to get over that. Proverbs 29, 25 is kind of a verse that kind of sums some of this up. Fear of man, again, that's not the fear of a guy who's going to give you a left hook and break your jaw. It's a fear of man's opinions. It's a fear of what they think of you. It's a fear of, of they don't think you're with it. You're not in the in crowd. You're, you're not uh, uh, agreeing with them. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe because this is a belief issue. This is a trust issue. Even though he disagrees with me, he disagrees with me, I feel like you want me to do it, and I know you have my back on this. Even though this person says, I'm not sure I should do it, even though this person thinks I'm wacky, God, I believe with all my heart that this is what you want to do. It jives with Scripture. Trusted spiritual friends have told me to do it. I'm going to trust you with my reputation, even though these people don't think I'm doing the right thing. Now, I'm not saying go all, we used to have a word in Kentucky we say all the time, and I've never heard anybody in Ohio say, we used to go all cockamamie. Ever heard anybody say that? I don't even know what it means. But it, we, it just means go nuts. Okay, just go all cockamamie and, and say, well, God wants me to divorce my wife, and da 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 That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about when, when, when finding the approval of God in your horizontal relationship comes into conflict with, with, fine, with having approval on your, ver- and, excuse me, on your vertical relationship as opposed to your horizontal relationship, who do you choose? Where do you get your acceptance? What really makes you feel good? It's identity. We preached on it back the first year. It's identity. Who gives you your identity? Is it God or is it someone else? Is it your girlfriend? Is it your boyfriend? Is it your job? Is it your boss? Is it your car? It's and all that goes into this approval-seeking. It, it can be big things. It can be small things. Has anybody ever said, 
Is Sue in here? Okay, I'll tell this on her, okay? Don't th- nobody tell her, okay? All right. She told me I needed to mow the grass the other day because both of the neighbors had mowed the grass. I didn't give a rip that both the neighbors had mowed the grass. Y'all drive down Brush Row Road. Well, look at Atherton. He don't mow his grass. He's probably in there eating Doritos on the couch somewhere. I mean, no, I'd been busy for about four or five straight days. I didn't have time to mow the grass. But you know what? They mowed the grass. What are people going to think about you? They mowed the grass too. What are people going to think about you? Who do I have to please on that? Who? Uh, yeah, I have a feeling some of y'all tell her I said that to you. <laughs> so, I know. I, I um, you may know if you have a, uh, a problem in this area. You know, we talk about peer pressure a lot with teenagers, but peer pressure is not just a teenage issue. But if you, if you really struggle with what your peers think of you, and you, it's really important to you on what your peers think of you. And it's so important to you that you kind of... <laughs> I know some pastors that... I know some pastors that go to every conference and will change what they do after coming back from every single conference. They'll just change course 100% because this is a new cool thing coming down the pike. Or they read a book. Uh, friends, there's got to be a time in your life that you know what God wants you to do. And that doesn't mean that can't be tweaked and that can't be improved, but there's a time in your life that you know what God wants you to do. And I don't care if Joe Blow does it or Nancy Blow over here does it. This is what I'm doing. And I can't just blow around with every wind of every little strategy everybody gives me. I mean, there's got to be a confidence in and of myself that this is the way God wants me to do this. And I don't have to seek everybody's approval because I'm doing the next thing that comes down the pike and... Peer pressure is a big deal, man. Can you be the only one at a table of five or six that disagrees? Does that bother you when you do? You don't have to make a big scene about it, but, you know, I said, well, I kind of see this issue differently. Is, 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 your prov- is your identity really come from what your peers think of? Of you. Peer pressure, can, if you really struggle with peer pressure, it could be a people-pleasing issue. If you're overcommitted, if you're overcommitted means maybe you can't say no. And the reason you can't say no is so that you'll make other people unhappy, maybe that could be a people-pleasing issue. What will they think of me if I, if I don't do that? Or what will they think of me if I say no? Or what will they... If my place too full already... And they get upset with me if I say no, it's their problem. They have the problem. They have the problem. Overcommitment. It may not be, but overcommitment could be a sign of people. If you're easily embarrassed, if you're just so easily embarrassed, and that's, it could be a sign that other people's opinions matter more to you than maybe normal. You're easily embarrassed. If you have trouble telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, if you lie, think about it. almost all lies are told to save face. Think about it. Almost. I won't say 100%. Almost all, 
lies are told to save face. Because if I told the truth, this person wouldn't like me as much or wouldn't think as much of me or I would get in trouble or I can't. It's this people pleasing. It's approval of someone else because you know what God wants you to do. I'm going to get in trouble when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, okay? If you need a fix, and what I mean by that, your fix may come on Facebook. Your fix may come by going to your mother's house. Or your fix may come by going to your friend's house and they tell you how right you are or how beautiful you are or how good your new haircut looks or something like that. That could be an issue if you have to get a fix all the time. People respond, well, you're one hot mama. <laughs> You've seen that on Facebook. You're one hot mama. <laughs> and the person posts it goes, oh, no. That's what they wanted anyway. That's what they were going for. And they act like, oh, no, no. <laughs> I've known people that put themselves down. I've known people who put themselves down just so you would build them up so they could feel good about themselves. People are, I see people shaking their heads. Put themselves down in such a way just so I will feel sorry. You know how ornery I am? I don't build them back up. If they have that problem, they got to get over it. I, don't, I, I, didn't, I won't build them back up. I think we all would agree that we've seen this behavior. Now, probably we all won't agree that it's in us, but I've, I've certainly seen it in me. I think, I think to the most part I've crucified this, but I see little bits and pieces of it rearing its ugly head in me every now and then. So how is it that we deal with this issue? Well, I think like any, like any Christian issue, we have to deal with it with truth. It, this is a belief issue, and all you ladies right now are taking believe in God. This is a, it's a belief issue. Are you going to believe God, or are you going to believe the lies of the enemy who's telling you that your acceptance ought to come from this guy or this gal or this boss, or you'll really be accepted if you go move into that house, or you get new furniture, or you take that vacation, or if you post that on Facebook or whatever? It's a belief issue that your acceptance stems from the fact that you are a child of a holy God who approves of you. Now, he may not like every single thing you do, and he's trying to rub off the rough edges of your life, but he died for you. How could he show you he approves of you anymore? None of your friends are going to die for you. So we need to go to a verse. I could go a lot of different places, but we need to go to a verse like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. And Paul talks about the goal in our life is to be able to please God. On the contrary, Paul says, speaking opposed to what he just said, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God. My purpose in life is to live a life that pleases him. Now, now that, that can be weird because that, that can be like, um, 
I, I, I have his approval, but I want to get his approval. That Both of those statements, I have his approval. He's pleased with me, but I still want to please him. Both of those are true. He's pleased with me, but I still want to please him. My goal in my life is, is, is to walk in such a way and to be such a husband, to be such a pastor, to be such a friend that pleases God much more than pleases the folks around me. And I, I, I've got to be careful because, because I can get carnal with that and it's just about me and my opinions and I've got to make sure that I'm lined up with Scripture. I've got to make sure that people are feeding into my life or telling me that I'm okay and I'm on good ground on this because... I had a guy ask me, were you eating at Chipotle? He's another pastor in the district. He goes, he goes how do you people, why do you say all the things you say on Facebook politically? He goes, why do you say all that kind of stuff? I said, basically, I just don't give a rip anymore. And, and I said, now you've got to watch that because that can get carnal. You've got to keep that sanctified. And I was basically saying, I'm just going to be me. And as long as God's okay with me, I'm okay if other people aren't. And that's why it's important to have Christian people around you. That's why it's important to marry a Christian. Because you know what? You know the very best way I can, I can please Sue? Is to please God. Now, if I didn't marry a Christian, those two things would come into conflict. My efforts to please God would be uh, on, the, on the vertical would, would come into conflict with my... Uh, ability to please my an unbelieving wife. Those two things would come into conflict. That's why you got to marry inside the faith. I know it's hard for for many of you that that you have unbelieving bosses, and and sometimes those bosses ask you to do something that compromises your morals. And maybe not even a Christian issue. It's just like you know, an atheist can have morals, right? I mean, an atheist can be honest. I mean, it just compromises integrity. And that's a tough issue. That's why I said five or six weeks ago, there are reasons to be fired. There are reasons to resign. And you've got to come to that in your own life and all of that kind of stuff. I know somebody that was talking to me four or five weeks ago, and that has leadership in this one company. If I said the name of the company, you'd know it. But they've told this leader that they need to hire people who weigh less. That too many people that they hire are too chubby. Now, I don't know how far that goes, how much pressure gets put on, but that's a reason to resign. Now, you don't resign until you have another job. I mean, you got a brain. I know it's hard. But Paul says... In 1 Thessalonians 2, our purpose is to please God, not man. That's our purpose. That sounds so elementary. That sounds so fundamental. That's a, that sounds so, well, duh, Mark, tell us what we don't know. But that is the root of this whole thing. That my purpose is to be approved by God. My purpose is to please God, not man. Now, if pleasing God and pleasing man come together and intersect, wow, life is great. Praise God, that's great. That's great. But if they don't, then I've got an issue. And then I have this uh, a need for approval that comes into conflict. And am I going to 
want God's approval or want man's approval, and I can be tempted to compromise and be tempted to, to do something I shouldn't do or say something I shouldn't say or go somewhere I shouldn't go. And, and that's where this whole who you really want approval from shows up. So the, the very root of this thing is that our, our, our goal is to please God, not my girlfriend. That my goal is to please God, not my boyfriend. That's truth. And there may be other things involved in help, helping you get over this. You may, you may have had a dad or a mom that you, you thought you, their acceptance of you was performance-based. They loved you if you did this. They loved you if you didn't do this. Now, that's probably deep ingrained in you, and, and it's, it's, probably, it's probably deeper than just believing this. There's some issues that have been in your spirit for a long time that you never felt like you were accepted from your parents, and that's in the process of getting over that for you and might find a good Christian counselor that helps you talk through that. I've told you before, you know, I, I, I'll... You know, you see those bumper stickers. I'm, an on, I'm a proud parent of an honor roll student at Tecumseh Elementary School. You know, and I said, I'm looking for the first one that says, I'm the proud parent of a failing student at Tecumseh Elementary School. But you know what? My child's grades have nothing to do with my acceptance of him. My child strikes out with bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth has nothing to do with my acceptance of him. Now, if he's not turning in his science assignments and he's not turning in English assignments, we're going to work on that issue. But it's got nothing to do with my acceptance of him. And I'm proud of him for who he is, irregardless of what he does. Now, it can make me a little bit easier to be proud of him for who he is if he does good things. I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. Purpose in life is to please God. And, and if that means you're pleasing other people around you, that is great. Happy days are here again. That's great, man. But if it doesn't, you got to let the chips fall where they may. you got to let the chips fall where they may and trust God. The verse said, the fear of man is a snare, but trusting his God is safe. You'll never fulfill your purpose, which is to please God, if you think you've got to keep other people happy around you. You, ever, you know anybody that's got to keep everybody happy? You think it's their, it's their job to keep other people. It's not your job to keep anybody else happy. You can't do How can you do that? How, how can you keep other people happy? There's only, I tell you, there's one person who won't be happy if you're trying to keep everybody else happy. That's you. You're not responsible to keep other people happy. Make them happy. Happiness is a choice in their life. If they want to choose to be unhappy, let them be unhappy. Well, I'm unhappy. It's like I'm in South Carolina. It's like a place where you live. No, you made that choice. It's an attitude. I'm unhappy. Okay. I'm, 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 not, I'm not responsible for their happiness. I just I, I have no control over their happiness. Especially if it means that I have to be someone who I'm not. Fulfilling my purpose in life is, is, is understanding that it's to please God. And, 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 and part of fulfilling my purpose is know that I don't, I don't, it's not my responsibility to keep other people happy. 
What a prescription for, for depression that is. Oh, what a horrible, what a, what a prescription. Keep everybody happy. It's just like, oh, you'll be depressed in three or four months. Because you know what it takes to keep this person happy and what it takes to keep that person happy and that person happy and that person happy are all different things. So you become a hypocrite. You're one person here and another person here and another person here and another person here because they all take different things to make them happy. It's a losing game. I played it till I was in the mid-40s. Get over it. It's not easy. It may just not be one trip to the altar. I, man, ask God to free you from that. That's a ball and chain. It's a ball and chain. <laughs> God can't please everybody. You got one person over here praying for sunshine, and you got the farmers over here praying for rain. God can't please everybody. If God can't please everybody, how can you please everybody? Jesus made a whole lot of people mad. Jesus made a whole lot of people mad. Jesus wasn't... <laughs> I heard somebody say... Ugh. I heard somebody say the other day on Facebook that if, if we had a real Christian as president... <laughs> this is so silly. If we had a real Christian as president, then we would be united as a nation. If we had a genuine believer in the, in the Oval Office, we would be united as a nation. We would be more divided than we've ever been if he was a, or she was a true believer and acted on their beliefs. Jesus came to bring a sword, my Bible tells me. You know, I can't fulfill my purpose in life, which is to please God if I try to make everybody happy. I also can't fulfill my purpose if... if, if if I live temporally and not eternally. Because most of the things on people pleasing are temporal things. And temporal things are, are important because I have to change my oil. That's a temporal thing. If I don't do that, my, my engine will lock up. And I mean, our, our life, we're, we're awash with, with temporal things. We're just bathed in temporal things because we have to do temporal things to survive. But, but, but it's that we have to keep our eyes on the prize and the eyes on the eternal things even though some, many times we're awash in temporal things. Almost all the things that, that we worry about in people-pleasing are temporal. They're temporal. And when we stand before God, and Romans 14, 12 says, it is pointed for man once to die, and then the judgment. And when we stand before God, he won't ask me about temporal things. He will only ask me about things that led to eternal things. Well, just think about it. In first grade, you were bent out of shape because you're the only one that couldn't make it to the top of the monkey bars. I mean, you just couldn't, I mean, you just, you were freaked out about it. And the biggest thing that you really wanted to do is to please the other, your other friends to make it to the top of the monkey bars. By, by, by seventh grade, you, 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 were, you, you were worried about your hairstyle. And now you're just glad you got hair, man. <laughs> you were worried about what clothes you wear. I've heard a teen sometime, I heard one teen one time say, I won't tell who it is, but I heard one teen say, I would never go to Walmart to get my clothes. <laughs> I went to three different Goodwills shopping yesterday. <laughs> hey, man. It's, uh, 
what clothes I wear and my, my, my hairstyle. And all those are, I, I, I know, I did too. I get it, I did too. I comb my hair this morning like everybody else. I know that, but it's temporal. It's temporal. And so many of those people-pleasing and approval-seeking things are temporal. By the time I got to high school, it was, it, it was who I was going to take to the prom. Now I can't even remember the name of the girl I took to the prom. Where, what college I'm going to get into? You know, that, you know, can I tell you something here? Parents are going to be mad at me, but can I tell you something? You know, there's a whole lot of colleges your kids can go to to get a good education. It's up to your kids to get a good education. They can get it at almost any college they go to. Okay? So it's not like I got to get him to college X. I got to meet him in college Y. Your kid can go to college X and go to college Y or college Z or college B. And if they want a good education, they'll find it. If they want it, they'll find it. And just because they get into the best school of all time, all time, they don't mean they're going to get a good education. Their education's up to them. So we, we fret about all of that. temporal it's eternal things that God will ask us about it's eternal things I can't fulfill my purpose which is to please God if I'm trying to be like you if I compare myself to you if I'm trying to to just be like you because God needs me to be me God shaped me to be me He didn't shape you to be me. He didn't shape me to be you. He needs Mark to be Mark. And if I'm always worrying about other people and what other people think of me and I can't do as good as him or I I wish I really could do as him, I envy that person. He needs Mark to be Mark with all of Mark's weaknesses, with all of Mark's struggles, with the things he's good at, with the things he's bad at, with all the weirdness all messed in. He needs Mark to be Mark and he needs you to be you. And one time that's something that's at the root of many times of approval or people-pleasing is an envy other people. God is not a cookie cutter. And you become a Christian, you all of a sudden act this way and talk this way. He, he wants people of all shapes and all sizes with all different types of, of, of likes and dislikes and, and all different types of churches. He's allowed denominations. He's allowed denominations. I mean, you got some places this morning, they're hanging from the rafters. And they're running the aisles and they're barking like dogs and all that kind of stuff. And you got some places that they're frozen chosen and they're just. And if they ever brought anything other than a piano in there, then the devil would hate. I mean, God loves us all. He wants us to be us the way He's created us. And I won't fulfill my purpose which is to please him if I'm trying to be like you. Now, I can have a, a mentor, and I can have a person that I think is, is, is doing good things, and I would like to incorporate that in my life, but it's still going to be through me and my personality. I've known preachers that get up here and they try to talk like some preacher, or they try to act like some preacher, or they try to preach like some preacher, or have animated motions like some preacher. You, God wants you to be you. He needs you to be you. Somebody out there needs you to be you. You never fulfill your purpose. And your purpose is to please God. If you're not okay with being you, even though she's not okay with it, and he's not okay with it, and that bunch's not okay with it, I've got to be okay with being me. And why am I okay with being me? 
because God is okay with me. He's rubbing off the rough edges of me, and he's working on that, and you shouldn't have said that, Mark, and we're working on you. But God is okay with me. He created me, and he knows my strengths. He knows my weaknesses. He knows what I do well. He knows where I have insecurities. He knows where I'm strong. He knows my weaknesses. He wants to, that person to live for him. He doesn't want everybody to be the same. Well, let me finish. Part of our purpose is to please God. and Our purpose is to please God, and part of pleasing God is, is, is what he tells the disciples. He says, I want you to go be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and all around the world. And being his witnesses is, is, is basically just telling people what God has done for you and basically just going out and being salt and light. It doesn't mean being weird and go standing on a street. And I guess it could mean standing on a street corner if God tells you to do that, but I, God never told me to go stand on a street corner and preach. But you've got to be witnesses, and our witness many times is compromised because of people pleasing. Our witness many times can be compromised because of seeking the approval of others. Because we live in a world that's not a friend of grace. I mean, we know that. And we're going to be rejected. That's what, that's what I'm preaching on next week, get over rejected. We're going to be rejected in this world. You realize when Jesus sent his disciples out, he didn't tell them how to preach. He didn't tell them how to read the Bible. He didn't tell them how to grow their churches. He, well, the only thing he told them in Luke chapter 9 and I think in Matthew chapter 10 was, you're going to be rejected. When you get rejected, get over it and wipe the dirt off your feet and go on with it. That's what he said. He didn't tell them how to do all this stuff. He just said, the people are going to reject you. When they do, stomp the dirt off your feet and go somewhere else. Which in the Mark translation says, get over it. But our witness can be compromised if we can't... Wipe the dirt off my feet. This verse that I quote about every Sunday, you care more for the praise of men than do for the praise of God. In the context, that's what this verse is meaning. Go to John chapter 12 up here. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they'd be put out of church. That's the context of this verse 43 that I quote all the time. Their witness was disabled. Their witness was compromised for fear of man, for fear of what other people thought of them. And so he describes them in 1243, he says, for they cared more for the love of men than they did for the praise of men than they did for the praise of God. People pleasing can, can hurt my witness, keep me from opening my mouth. And how can I please God if I'm not going to be witness for him and all the many facets that witnessing can take. My goal this morning was to tell you something that I hope everyone would have known the answer to if I gave you a quiz before you came in. Like, what's your main purpose in life? And then my main purpose is, is to live in such a way that God is pleased with. It's my main purpose. And everything in my life comes under that umbrella. What kind of husband you want to be? Well, I want to be a husband that pleases God. Because I married a Christian lady, and if I please God, I'll please her. 
Well, what kind of a parent do you want to be? Well, I want to be a parent that pleases God. Now, if your kids aren't Christian yet, that's going to be trouble. Or maybe it's not, not even that they're not Christian yet. It's not, they're not grown up yet. You know, you, you don't, your brain doesn't fully develop until you're 23 or 24. They're brain damaged, okay? <laughs> and so they don't fully work through, think through those things. What kind of a pastor do I want to be? I want to be a pastor that pleases God because I hope every one of my board members wants that. And even if we have to part ways one day because I think pleasing God meant this and they thought pleasing God meant that, we can part respectfully with much respect for one another because we both were trying to please God. Whose approval do you want? Really? little girl that lost her virginity last night in the back seat of some car in Dayton she wanted the approval of the boy did she really want to have sex I say most of the time no but she wanted the approval of the boy or maybe she wanted the approval of all her girlfriends that still couldn't believe that she was still a virgin I've seen people pleasing and seeking approval in the wrong places cause, um, not cause, it's not the right word, but eventually lead to divorce because the lady wanted to forgive the husband, but her girlfriends just couldn't believe that. I wouldn't let anybody do that to me. How can you go back to him? And the ladies at work, wouldn't let her alone. That's why you better have Christian friends. We all have to work around non-Christians, but we don't have to take advice from them. We don't have to seek their approval. Our servers are coming to the table. As you partake of the cup and the bread this morning, there's power in the blood of Jesus to give you the grace to stand alone if that is necessary. It won't always be necessary. There's power in the blood of Jesus to give you the courage to stand on your own two feet, even if you're the only one. There's courage for that. There's grace for that. There's grace to totally transform my brain in such a way that I can seek God's approval more than I seek the approval of man or woman. There's grace for that. Why do you think, why do you think that he, that Paul says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world if it's not for people's behavior? Don't let people force you into their mold. There's a pattern. There's a mold they will try to force you into. Don't let them force you into their mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't let them force you into their mold. 
Don't conform to the pattern that they have for you. As you come to the table this morning, did you think about that? That blood, pyre and that blood, give you the backbone, the courage, the grace to do the right thing, even though no one else thinks it's the right thing, to stand alone, if that be. Father, this is not one of those things we just need to work through in our lives, and I wish it was easiest to work through it as it is for me to preach it. But I pray you'd help our people now to respond to this word in whatever way is necessary. And when they get up out of this place today and go home, they will um, perform for an audience of one. In Jesus' name.